Let's stand, if you would, to Luke chapter 2, verse 16, as we read God's Word together. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Let's pray together. Father, I pray you would help us through the eyes of faith go back to that faithful night when history was changed. Though it was so long ago that it affects everything and everyone for all time, including us here today. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The following story definitely fits under the bad doctrine of the week category. Three men died on Christmas Eve and were met by St. Peter at the pearly gates. Remember, the bad doctrine. But Peter won't be at the pearly gates, by the way. That's not how you get into heaven. But here's the story. St. Peter said, you must each, said to each of the three guys, you must each possess something that symbolizes Christmas in order to get into heaven. The first man fumbled through his pockets and pulled out a lighter. He flicked it on and he said, it, it represents a candle. Peter said, well, okay, you can pass through. The second man reached into his pocket and pulled out a set of car keys. He jingled them and said, they're like Christmas bells. Peter said, well, okay, you can pass through. The third man started searching desperately through his pockets and finally pulled out a pair of women's glasses. Peter looked at the man and raised an eyebrow and asked, and just what do these symbolize? And the man replied, well, they're carols. <laughs> That's a dad joke right there. Speaking of bad doctrine, this last week in downtown Fort Worth, the beautiful life-size nativity they have on display there, someone stole the baby Jesus. Here's a picture. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, one, not too bright. Um, bless his heart. I don't know who he is, but apparently after this photo went viral all over the world, he fell under conviction, had a change of heart, and returned the baby Jesus. So I guess it is true, a baby changes everything. <laughs> what could possibly go through somebody's mind that they would steal the baby Jesus? I don't care what your religion is or isn't, there are some things you just don't do. And I think he gets that now. I'm assuming he wasn't sober at the time, surely. Back to our verse for today, I simply want to focus on one word this morning, and you'll find it in verse 18 of our passage, and it says, and all who heard it were what? Were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So today's message is entitled, A Time to Marvel. A Time to Marvel. This word amazed is the Greek word themazo, which means uh, to admire, to marvel, or to be filled with wonder, to admire, to marvel, to be filled with wonder. And often it is translated as the word amazed as well. What amazes you? Cherry and I have had the privilege of seeing some pretty amazing things in our life. And 
Young people, one of the great things about getting older is you, you, you see more and more throughout life and you get to witness the amazing creation that God has given to us. Terry and I have not seen a whole lot, but we have seen things like the Grand Canyon, Yosemite, the Swiss Alps, Niagara Falls, the massive caverns at Carlsbad, the view from Masada in Israel, the coral reefs of the Philippines, and so many other places. And all of these places really, truly just amazed us. I don't think I've ever seen water as clear as in the Philippines. Uh, and of course, I grew up in, in Texas and, and uh, you know, we consider Eagle Mountain Lake uh, a, a pretty lake. <laughs> well, you should go to the Philippines. You, you, you can be underwater and you swear you can see a mile. It's just amazing. What makes you in awe? There's a new telescope that they uh, sent out into the space this last year called the James Webb Telescope. Have you seen the pictures that thing has taken? It is astonishing. It is astonishing the beauty of our universe and we can only see a teeny tiny part of it. And you see these nebulas and these galaxies, entire galaxies that are just breathtaking to look at. And I'm also astonished and amazed that we know that they're breathtaking. That we see that and go, wow. You know, again, the animals don't look at it and go, wow. Just another picture they don't even notice. We can't get our dog. I, I know some dogs can focus on the TV. I, I see that on YouTube. You know, they're, they're sharing along with the story or the cartoon or whatever. We have a dog and our dog's cute, but, but not the brightest dog in the world. We never could get him to focus on what was on the television. He just can't quite grasp that. I wonder how much of God's creation we can't quite even grasp. But what amazing things that we see. And so this is what it says here. For the shepherds, they were amazed at something far greater than any constellation, any mountains, or any waterfalls. They got to meet the one who created it all. They were amazed to admire, to marvel, or filled with wonder. So I started wondering, was Jesus himself ever amazed like this? Was this word ever used concerning Jesus? What impresses God? What amazes God? And the answer is yes, there are times in the Bible where Jesus himself was amazed. And sometimes it's a bad amazement. He was amazed at their lack of faith. <laughs> uh, you don't want to be on that side of his if you amaze God you don't want it to be on that side of the amazement but there are times when Jesus was amazed again using the same word in the New Testament what did he see that amazed him so much well it wasn't a mountain or a cavern so what fills Jesus with awe uh, don't you think that's a fair question because you and I are about to discover that we have the ability to fill Jesus with awe. Did you know that? That's tremendous. You and I, this morning, on Christmas morning, have the ability to fill Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Creator, and our Lord, to fill Jesus with awe and amazement. If you look with me in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asked him for help. 
Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that, that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. There's the word, by the way, the same Greek word. He was astonished and said to those who fo uh, following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Isn't that wonderful? He was astonished at this guy's faith. In other words, it is a possible, it is, it is possible for you and I to astonish God with our faith. God doesn't care about what you're wearing. He doesn't care about your hairstyle or your looks. Praise God for that. <laughs> he doesn't care about any of the stuff this world cares about at all. He cares about your heart and your faith in him. And not pretend faith either. I mean actual faith. Jesus was in a, a nation that was a religious nation. Every one of them, every one of them, including his disciples, were very religious people. Every one of them would say they have faith in God and they follow God and follow the Old Testament uh, um, path and the, 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 the law of Moses. They would all say that they were under God's authority. And if you asked them if they love God, I think every Jew would say, yes, I love God. I, I care about God. Jesus comes across this guy who's not even a Jew. May not even be a particularly religious man at all. But he believed in Jesus. A Roman, a Roman centurion, a soldier, believing in Jesus comes to Jesus because he's got somebody in his household. By the way, it's not even a child or spouse. It's a servant of his. And he cares enough about this servant to come to Jesus and humble himself. That in and of itself is enough to draw the attention of Christ. And so Jesus says to him immediately, all right, I'll go to your house, wherever it is. And of course, you already know this, but for a Jew to go into the house of a Gentile made that Jew unclean. Jesus knew it, and apparently the centurion knew it too. And he said, no, let me, let me suggest a plan B. You don't need to come to my house. And he says, why Jesus doesn't need to come to his house? He says, I am unworthy to have you in my home. And he was right. But so was everybody else. They were all unworthy. The Pharisees, he went to the Pharisees' home once. They were unworthy of Jesus too. They just didn't realize it. This guy knows it. He says, I'm unworthy to have you in my house. But you know what? It isn't even needed. Because you have authority. And then he tells Jesus he understands this concept of authority. As a centurion, he has people that are above him and he submits to them and and he also has a hundred soldiers below him. That's what a centurion had. A century, a, a hundred, he was in charge of a hundred soldiers. And whatever he told his soldiers to do, they would do that because they were under his authority. And he says, Jesus, I recognize your authority. You don't need to come. That's just geography. 
coming to my house. You don't need to do that. Just say the word, and I already know what's going to happen. And that's what amazed Jesus. I love that. The word here for astonished is exactly the same as the word for the shepherds. When they'd seen Jesus, and when others heard their testimony about him, Jesus is in awe of great faith. Now, just a word about that. I think that we live in a culture that believes that faith is viral or bacterial. That either you get it or you don't. You get the faith virus or you don't. And you may be sitting out there and saying, sorry, Pastor, I just don't have any faith. I haven't caught it yet. That's not what faith is. That's not how faith works. I don't know where we got that. That some people just have faith and some people don't. My parents were people of great faith, but they weren't people of great faith because they had the faith gene or the faith virus. They were people of great faith because they chose to be people of faith. You and I have the power to choose to believe in Jesus Christ. And his sovereignty in this world, I shared that with you last week. And you and I have the choice to reject that sovereignty and denounce the, the deity of Christ. You and I have to choose. This centurion chose, not because of anything that he said or what church he went to or what things he did or how much money he gave and all of those things, which are great things, but that's not the evidence of his faith. The evidence of his faith was he looked Jesus in the eye and says, I believe you can do this because of who you are. And Jesus was in awe of his faith. Is Jesus in awe of your faith today? You know what? It would, would make it an awesome day for Jesus if he witnesses your genuine faith. In abundance. It's his birthday. Give him the gift that he longs to see. Your unwavering faith in him. There were times again that Jesus was in awe. From the other point of view. He was saddened by the lack of faith of his own disciples. Oh ye of little faith. But we have a choice. And faith is always a choice. To believe and to be amazed in our Savior or not. And I'll leave this with you today. The shepherds marveled. The people marveled. Our passage for today says that they, they actually um, uh, did what the angel told them to do. They went to the nativity, uh, to Bethlehem. They saw Jesus there in the manger. And then after having seen it, they went out and told others, and they were in awe. They were amazed at what the shepherds had to say. Here's, here's how it works. The shepherds were genuinely amazed. And you know the difference between real amazement and pretend amazement. They were really amazed. And because their amazement was real, it was also infectious. And I know I told you it wasn't a virus, but there's something about seeing true amazement and awe of others, you're just compelled to find out what they're in awe of. And so others saw that faith, saw that amazement, and they wanted to see what that was. They wanted to experience that amazement. 
Aren't you bored with this life? Don't you want to see something amazing? Don't you want to experience the amazing uh, character of God in your life? And so that's what they did. They simply shared the amazing thing that they saw and people in response were amazed. I know there's so much bad in this world today. Bad tidings, bad news, bad deeds. It's Christmas morning. I thought that they might be positive today. I don't know why, but I went straight to Fox News this morning online. I like to read the news so I can skip through the stories I don't like. And Fox News has four main stories, always has four top stories right there at the top. And all four stories were about murder or war or politics or something awful. All four stories right in a row were awful, just awful on Christmas morning. And then if you scroll down, scroll, 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 way down at the bottom, there's this, there's this little Christmas message of hope. And I, I'm just amazed that on Christmas morning, that should be at the top. What do you put it down there for? Which is still better than the other sides. They didn't have it anywhere. Oh, my goodness. Is that your top story today? Or is it something else? And before I forget, I'm, I'm going to read one more passage to you. There's my challenge to you. When you leave here, I want to challenge you simply today, and I know I've challenged you similar things before. It's Christmas. Nothing bad today. Not one bad word out of your mouth. Not one bad attitude. Young people, not one complaint about what you did or did not get. Amen? Nothing. I know I told you about our church member who's in, in heaven right now. She's with her Savior, Felita Dean. When somebody would say a negative word to her, she would hold out her hand and say, I don't receive that. <laughs> I just love that about Felita. I don't receive that. Somebody was trashing uh, me or the staff one day to her. She said, I don't receive that. I love that. So today, I don't want there to be anything venomous in your life. No bitterness, nothing negative at all. Every word you say, every, every tone that you have, every deed that you do should be uplifting and loving and kind. And that would be the best present you could give Jesus on his birthday. And if somebody starts spewing all over you, a bunch of vile, angry, bitter stuff, just hold out your hand and say, I don't receive that. <laughs> but do it nicely. <laughs> all right? And, and wait till after the service. <laughs> okay. Okay, all right with that. Um, uh, I want you to look at one more uh, thing. And, and uh, the shepherds had marveled, the people marveled, but someone else actually caused Mary and Joseph to marvel after the birth of Jesus. This is after Bethlehem. Look with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Luke 2, 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who had a right, he was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, which is extraordinary because the Holy Spirit generally didn't come on anybody until when? The day of Pentecost, which was after the resurrection of Jesus. This is, this is when Jesus was born. This is when he's an infant. And the Holy Spirit's on this guy. That was unusual. And, and the Holy Spirit, excuse me, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law, what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, "Listen to this, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people." a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Listen to verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Isn't that interesting? They marveled. Both Mary and Joseph have, at this point, have had a personal experience with an angel. Gabriel came to Mary, and I'm assuming it was probably Gabriel that came to to Joseph in a dream, they've already seen that. They've already seen and witnessed the birth of Jesus there in the manger and have had the shepherds come and share with them this amazing story that they had seen these heavenly hosts on high proclaiming glory to God in the highest. After all of that, now they are amazed again. They go into the temple courts. They have no idea this guy's there. They've never seen him. To my knowledge, they've never heard of him. And he comes up and he tells them this. Filled with the Holy Spirit, God told me I would live to see the day of the birth of the Messiah. And did you notice what he said? He said, now it's complete. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die. <laughs> my life is complete because I've seen the Savior. And they were amazed at what they heard about him. Same Greek word, by the way. That means marveled. So I know there's bad in this world today, but I want to challenge you to choose to be amazed at your Savior. Charles Gabriel was a self-taught songwriter who was in awe of his Savior. During his lifetime, he wrote over 7,000 hymns. One of my favorites speaks of being in awe of Christ, and it says this, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. The last verse says, when with the ransomed in glory, his faith face I at last shall see, twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love from me. How marvelous, how wonderful my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Make this an all-filled marvelous day for your Savior. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today, and I pray again, as you help us to see that fateful night, those shepherds stunned and shocked and filled with awe as they see your angels, the heavenly hosts, proclaim as they went to Bethlehem and found the manger and met Jesus, their Savior. Help us to be filled with the same awe that Mary and Joseph had when Simeon met with them and saw his Savior and was ready to go to heaven. 
help us through your spirit have the kind of faith that the centurion has had that amazed Jesus. Oh, Father, I pray that you would help us choose today to have a faith that will fill him with awe on his birthday today. Help us today to honor commitment that we may make to you right here, right now, that for the rest of this day, there will be no bad word, no harsh tone, no angry, bitter moment, no unkind deed in our life. We can't control this dark world around us. You are sovereign over that. But as for us and our heart, we can honor you today through faith by being filled with awe, not awfulness by being filled with joy and not bitterness. Help us to be people of genuine faith today. As you're praying, no one's looking around, can I challenge you to do that? Today, this day, on the birthday of my Savior, I'm going to do everything I can that there will be nothing but joy that comes from my lips because I'm in all my Savior. Would you be willing to do that? If you would be willing to make that commitment, I challenge you right now, just right where you are, between you and your God, you make that commitment to Him. And maybe you want to come up and kneel and pray and make that commitment. Or God is calling you to make a public decision today. You want to join with First Baptist Church. It would be a great day to do that. And that's your birthday gift to Christ. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put my faith in you here and serve you here in this place. Or maybe you want to give your life to Christ. If God is calling right now, this is your opportunity, and it's a perfect time to do that. As you pray, no one's looking around. Would everyone stand? As you stand and as you pray, let us spend just a few moments of being in awe of our Savior. As you pray right now, you come.